So our scripture passage for today comes from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. I invite you just to listen along. This is a familiar story for many of us. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. If you will, join me as we pray. God, you so regularly take familiar things and bring new insight to them. Show us new ways through the old paths. So we pray, God, that through this familiar story, we might hear your truth. That we might not only hear it, but that we might experience it. That it might envelop us. That we might be people who, whether we are more comfortable in the old ways or whether we're looking for a new path, that we will keep our eyes focused on your light, on your way, on your guidance, however it might go through and travel throughout the darkness. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you might be able to tell, my voice isn't really cooperating with us today. If you don't know me, then I don't normally sound like this. Maybe I do, though. You never know. Ever hear yourself on a recording and you think, oh, geez. We're going to keep it a little short and sweet today, or at least you hope I do. But it's actually a really good week. It's a good week for keeping it short because this story is a story that a lot of people know, whether they have spent time in the church or not. Not necessarily because of this passage of scripture, but because of the song. You know what song I'm talking about, right? You're going to help me sing it. Ready? We three kings. (laughs) 
was pretty great. What do you say, Willow? They're all in the band now. She's just signed you all up. It's the new contemporary chorus. I heard that song play at least once a day when I was listening to that 24-7 Christmas station that has been on for the last five weeks. And I loved it because I first heard that song as a young child, even though I didn't go to church on Sundays as a child. The story of the Magi coming to meet the baby Jesus is one of these stories that is leapt off of the pages of the Bible and is broken outside of the walls of church campuses to become a part of that secular Christmas story and all of its larger than life sparkle and wonder. Just this last week, I had a friend of mine who's not particularly religious sit down, sit me down with all of these questions about what was going on with these wise men. Did they start on the road together or did they somehow like meet each other along the way? And then he said, were they really kings? Because you can't really imagine kings being cooperative with other kings, right? Certainly none of them would have agreed to have stopped and asked directions from Herod, just to give an example. And then what's up with those gifts? Was it widely known that frankincense and myrrh were much needed things by a newborn parent? (laughs) And the questions are really good ones. Because for instance, it doesn't say anywhere in scripture that the wise men were kings. It says that they were astrologers, that they were magi, philosophers, which is to say that they were also scientists. They were people who spent all of their time looking up to the sky and reading patterns. Also, scripture never says that there were three of them. It, gives, it doesn't give any number as to how many were there at all. And even though our nativity scenes and our crushes show the infant Jesus in the manger with the three wise men by his side, most scholars think that they would have showed up probably a year or two after Jesus had been born. And they point out that when the wise men come, they're meeting Jesus in a house. They're not meeting Jesus in a barn. So there's all of these interesting things that we could talk about, about the story of the wise men and what comes from the song and what comes from the scripture. The truth is that the Bible has always been more interested in telling the truth rather than recording facts. And so the specifics of this story are neither here nor there, really, because the truth is that Jesus was born to an unwed mother and a bewildered father in the most vulnerable of circumstances and born as an expression of God's deep love and consuming interest in humanity. Whether they showed up at this time or that, with this item or that, in this place or that, it doesn't negate the truth. Jesus was born because God longed to be closer to us and God longs for us to be closer to God. When we talk about this truth, about God's deep and unshakable love for us and for all of humanity, it can be tempting to talk ourselves into believing that such a love should never experience any troubles, any challenges, any serious obstacles or doubts. But that's one of the reasons why this story of the wise men is so important and so impactful. Because we see through this story, as we see through the whole narrative of Jesus' birth, 
that there were and there are constant challenges to God's calling to humanity in the world. In the love story that exists between God and humanity, it's like God's speaking to me now. Still too long, Jessica, keep it tight. (laughs) Uh, There were in our constant challenges to God's calling to humanity and the world, and that this love story that exists between God and humanity, in this story, there are flashes of light in the darkness, and then sometimes there's just darkness. It's interesting how in this story about the Magi, the wise men say they start on their journey because they observed the star rising. That's how we begin. They see the star of a king. And so they go to Jerusalem, they go to Herod so that they can meet this king, so that they could pay this new king homage, which then causes Herod to completely freak out. Herod then does his own reconnaissance. He finds out that the wise men are right. And so he sends the wise men out to, uh, one translation says, search diligently for the child and then report back to Herod to let him know where to find him. Then after all of this, After this whole exchange with Herod in the palace, with the Pharisees and the experts in the law, scripture then says that when they had heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the palace where the child, over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And you know, I think it's meant to stand out to us that there was a really significant period of time in this story where the star wasn't visible. It stands out to me that there's a crucial period of time where the light wasn't shining through the darkness in the moment where the Magi needed it the most. And don't say to me, well, maybe Jessica, it was just the daylight. They were there for many days. They could have seen the star. We can all agree on that, yeah? Pope Francis put it this way. He said, The gospel tells us that the Magi, when they arrived in Jerusalem, post signs of the star for a time. They no longer then saw it. it its light was particularly absent from the palace of King Herod. His dwelling was gloomy, filled with darkness, suspicion, fear, envy, Herod, in fact, proved himself distrustful and preoccupied with the birth of a frail child whom he thought of as a rival. In reality, Jesus came not to overthrow Herod, a wretched puppet, but to overthrow the prince of this world. Pope Francis goes on to say, the Magi were able to overcome that dangerous moment of darkness before Herod because they believed. And so they fled the darkness and dreariness of the night and of the world. They resumed their journey toward Bethlehem and there they once more saw the star and the gospel tells us that they experienced a great joy, the very star which could not be seen in the dark and worldly place was found again. My friends, sometimes as we continue on this journey of faith, As we follow this infant, 
who is our Lord at his birth, who then grew up and began a ministry that brought good news into hopeless places, sometimes it can be tempting to become overwhelmed by the stretches of darkness that extend between the sightings of the light. Sometimes it can be tempting to look up into that dark sky and say, well, God must not be there. God must not be listening. Rather than to remember, to remember that we have followed the light up until that point and that that light will show up again. Sometimes we take this responsibility that is ours to remember and to maintain faith Sometimes we take our responsibility and instead put the onus on God. And we demand that God permanently situate us underneath this constant, relentless, unwavering light, like we're in some sort of tanning booth or something. And we ignore the pattern of creation itself, which requires the warmth of the sun as well as the cool of the night in order to foster growth. It can be really easy for us to foster, to distance ourselves from that responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus, which is the responsibility of maintaining faith that the light will again appear. And to maintain that faith, especially when we are standing in those long stretches of darkness. The responsibility of faithfully searching for that light that will again provide us direction (coughs) will draw us closer to the mystery of God's heart that is revealed in the face of the infant Christ. (coughs) My friends, when we walk into the palaces that house the kings of this world, when we walk into the palaces that house the kings of greed and selfishness, of unchecked power and of violence, of narcissism and of animosity, we can feel overwhelmed by the darkness. But my friends, we must not be overwhelmed. Because it is our job to remember that there are stretches of darkness between the glimpses of the guiding light, but that the darkness will not overcome that light. Over the next month, we as the church are going to be reflecting on this light that we follow. We're going to be thinking about what is asked of us as followers of the light by going through the book of Colossians together. So, If you'd like to get a head start, I encourage you, dust off your Bible, find Colossians, it's toward the back, it's a really short little book. But one way or another, whether you choose to do that or not, as we start this year, and as we again embark on this journey of following the Christ child as he grows and goes to the cross, as he gets off the cross and goes into eternity, I encourage you to join me in reflecting on just one question for this week, just one. What is that light that we follow? And how does it shine for us? And how faithful are we in following it? How faithful are we following it in the times of darkness? 
And how much are we demanding that God keep us in that unwavering heat of that light in order to keep us in God's grip? That was a lot of questions. What is the light that we follow and how faithful are we following it? Please join me as we pray. God, for us, this calendar year is an opportunity, a tangible opportunity for a new start. And we are grateful for it. At the same time, we know that you offer us an opportunity for a new and fresh start each moment, each week, each day. And so we pray, God, that as we look at this opportunity, that we look at it with some expectation that in following you and having our commitment to you, that we will be changed in some way. And maybe not just us, but maybe the world around us too. As we come together around your table, invited again by you, we pray, Lord, that we sit around this meal with that hope in the wonder that is ahead in the mystery that stretches out in front of us and that we might consider what it means to be people who are faithful not just when we can see clearly by the light that guides but who can also remain faithful when there's been a long stretch of darkness and we don't know when that light's going to come back again so we pray in Jesus name amen <laughs>